Being a resident has its ups and downs, but in reality, you have more control over how you experience that part of life. Sounds great, doesn't it? Residency can be such a letdown when it comes to building your financial foundation, but it truly doesn't have to be that way. If you're a physician wanting to take control over your financial future and take back the freedom you deserve, come hang out with this money nerd. No long hours or sleepless nights, just you, me, and the Financial Residency Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Inman, and welcome back to the show. My next guest is someone who I think most of you know, and you've probably found him online by now, or it's either through his podcast, which is awesome, or through many of his other ventures. Whether you found him through a mutual friend in residency or just the reputation of his work that he's doing online and in the resident community, you know that this happy doc is going to model how you can find happiness within yourselves to better perform in your own lives, heal others, and help you experience a more fulfilled overall life. You know why? Because he does it every day in his routine. So I'm really happy to have on the happy doc himself on the show to talk about time management, work-life integration, and the concept of being time rich. So let's welcome Dr. Taylor Brano on the show. Taylor, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to answer lots of questions. I love doing this and I know it's going to be amazing. I think it will be because I actually listened to your show, The Happy Doc Podcast, and it's great. And I absolutely love your mission, which is one of the reasons why I honestly reached out, which is to heal one doctor and you heal thousands. I hope that I'm helping physicians all around the country and that hopefully will heal thousands and thousands of people as there's thousands of doctors listening to the show. And I know that your podcast definitely has helped healing them as well. You talk a lot about finding a way to recharge or reflect or just tackle life a bit differently. And one of the things that you've brought up before is the concept of being time rich. And I think that is fascinating. I first just want to know what you're, let's let everyone know what you're referencing by being time rich. So when you're rich financially, and I'm sure you talk about this a lot, you have an abundance of money. And if you have an abundance, obviously, for example, in your savings account and your checkings account, that allows you to spend that money, allocate those funds for things that you really want to do. And so being time rich is basically the same concept. Every human being on this planet Every single day, you live 24 hours, technically, if you're sleeping, hopefully, you know, you get around 16 hours in your day, 16 hours in a day times seven, that's whatever that amount is. So you have seven days a week, and then you have approximately four weeks a month, a month becomes a year, a year becomes your life, especially for most people, you're going to be living somewhere between 60 to 80 years. So where are you allocating your time? Are you wealthy in time? Are you burdening yourself with spending your time in areas that maybe you don't want to spend it in? Are you allocating your time in relationships or people that you don't want to be spending it in? On the flip side, if you're able to free up your time, if you're able to free up your energy, you can then think critically about where you actually want to spend your time. And this is really important, obviously, in the physician space, as I think, as we're probably going to get to, our time feels incredibly limited. And it's something that we need to think very critically about. So basically, time wealth to me is looking at your time as a way of spending, just like with money, and then really thinking about where you actually want to put your funds 
instead of your work or your responsibilities taking control of your time. So it's basically reframing your life and finding that way to be time wealthy and then choosing where you spend your time. I talk on the show a bunch about time being our most precious resource and think of like Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs passed away from cancer. Like he had all the money in the world and couldn't fix it. So he ran out of time and getting back to that resource. There's five key things that I know you've talked about. I'll kind of summarize here and then let's dive into them. Work-life integration versus work-life balance. Learning to say no with confidence. Increasing systems of work to decrease error, miscommunication, and time loss. Financial investments that are time independent and projects or growth, which are time independent. I know with all the physicians we work with, and of course, being married to one, sometimes physicians don't feel like I'd say more than sometimes, probably all the time that their time is already allocated usually by someone else or something else. So let's dive on that first one. I think this is a big one that most people are going to have that mental barrier of whatever else you're going to say, if we started this last, I don't think would work as well, but work-life integration versus work-life balance. I cannot speak on the end of being an attending. I'm in uh, residency, right? I'm about to enter my third year of residency. But I can tell you, I essentially work 80-hour work weeks, and I know some doctors work much more than that. I know some work less. But I do work a substantial amount of time. And yet, at the same time, I'm able to run a podcast. I'm developing a couple of businesses at the same time, and I'm in residency. So how the heck am I able to do that? And I'm going to speak personally because I would be totally full of crap, basically, if I was not able to also do what I was talking about. So I just want to tell you guys, I feel like I've earned the right a little bit to speak about this and say that I'm still able to do many things. You're a resident and able to join me for a podcast. You're able to talk (laughs) on what you'd like because I remember when Taylor was in residency, I barely saw her, much less having her on a podcast or torturing her to listen to all my shows. So I absolutely believe you have the floor and right to talk about yours. And I'm happy you're willing to talk about your your personal side. So absolutely. And I think I want to connect it with people because I think it'll be more effective. I just actually tell you what I do. So with work-life integration versus work-life balance, the fact of the matter is, is in residency or even as a physician, you're not always going to get balance. Balance would be like, okay, every day I wake up, I have X amount of time to get ready. I work this many hours. I'm going to spend two to three hours with my family. I'm going to spend two hours at the gym. I'm going to get eight hours of sleep. That sounds like maybe balance. But then if you add up all the hours, there's not enough hours in the day, right? Whereas work-life integration is really this beautiful concept where, especially with technology the way it is, if you learn the tools that we can use to kind of speed up the processes around us. We can start to integrate our business life, our podcasting life, our work or occupation life into our day in incremental steps. So you're integrating throughout the day. You're able to do actually a lot more stuff in a day and you're incredibly productive, but you're still able to do things like spend time with your family, go to the gym and all those things. An interesting aspect of the work-life integration versus balance thing is some days you're just not going to be able to do anything. You're only going to be able to focus on your job and maybe get home and scrounge up some dinner or whatever it is, and that's it. It's not about being perfect every day. I use a basically a planner that I have. I'm not perfect with it. And I like to start by writing things out first and then integrating it into my digital schedule. But I basically have a weekly calendar. It's very simple. I do it in writing. I do it the old-fashioned way. And I look at my hours 
And then I say, okay, well, these are my, I have to work these hours. There's no way to get around it. But what you'll notice along your day are gaps in time that you might not think about as free time, which are actually free time. For example, this is a work-life integration hack or tip is if you want to gain knowledge about business or entrepreneurship or marketing, you have to listen to podcasts. And in your car, you have a 15 to 30 minute commute. Or if you take the train or bus, you have a commute that could be integrated into your work schedule where you're just learning. You're educating yourself about a new field. You're digging deeper into something that you're interested in. And that can compound into beautiful effects later. Other tools for scheduling podcast episodes. Calendly, great tool. You sync up your schedule onto a digital platform. Then you can schedule interviews and stuff like this through Calendly. That's a way that is completely automated, essentially. All you do is send out an email. The other thing I would talk about, and I think we're going to talk about this later, is creating systems around what you do. And we'll kind of get into that a little bit later. But there's all of these methods that if you really reflect on what you do on a daily basis, and you say, I always spend my time here, 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 and here. Well, maybe you can start to cut out some of the things that are repetitive and unnecessary. A simple solution is I noticed with my commute, I would often drive home first and then go to the gym. Well, why don't I just pack my stuff ahead of time? Why don't I meal prep? Why don't I get all of my stuff ready, put it in a bag? And so I can go to work. I can go straight to the gym. I can make sure that I have like a cliff bar or something prepped so I don't waste time. And then I can totally veg out when I get home after exercising, after working, right? Plan a little bit ahead. You start to be aware of what you're actually doing, where you're actually spending your time. And then you can start to integrate your life and build it in a way of making it work for you instead of against you. And kind of to relate it back to what we've talked previously on the show with is it definitely referenced this in the dreaded B word where it talked about budgeting, but essentially this is just budgeting or really cash flow planning. Where do you expect to spend your time? Whereas uh, in finances, we're saying, what do you expect to spend your money? Everyone tells you you need a budget you need to do all these things, which is great. I think you need to track that stuff. I actually think you need to track your time and to know where it is. And I've even been implementing mm-hmm. things on the business side of not only am I know what hours I'm working because all clients can use the Calendly schedule and it, that software is amazing and saved so much back and forth of Taylor, can you meet at this time? No. Oh, well, how about this time? No proposing it. Like it's crazy how much time that software saves, but you talked about increasing systems and I think let's go there next, you know, increasing systems to essentially decrease error or time loss or miscommunication. I'll give you an example with the podcasting because it's a simple one because I'm actually building out my podcasting system right now. Take a peek into that as well. But you can use this example as something that essentially you could play out in other areas of your life. So for podcasting, every time I produce a podcast, it's literally the exact same process. I have to find an interesting guest Once I find that interesting guest, I have to reach out to see if they're interested in actually joining. If they are, I have to set up the logistics. Once I set up the logistics, I'm also doing research in the background to get to know them, right? Then there's the actual interview period. Then after I interview them, I have to make sure that the audio production is good. I have to edit the audio. I have to clean it up. I have to set up social media stuff around it. I have to create the blog post or the show notes. I have to reach out to people to let them know about the podcast episode and basically rinse and repeat. Really quick on this, everyone probably was just like, oh my gosh, that's a lot that goes into producing this thing. I run through the same issues. It's the same thing for all of us. And not having that system in place was really tough in the beginning. 
as one of the learning mm-hmm. curves. And I think why shows get better over time as people stick with them. But there's a mm-hmm. lot of effort and time and money that really goes into running these things. It costs money to host for a podcast. It costs money to do some of the, the images and the hosting of your website and all that stuff. So when all of us say, hey, if you found value, share this podcast with other people to help us grow, it's because there's a lot of work and love. It's definitely a labor of love that goes into producing these things. So love where you're going. Continue with the thought process. We've got all your systems now in place for the podcast. As you can tell, there's so many pieces. So what I had to do is I basically made my podcast Bible. I wrote out literally every single thing that I do to go from A to Z, from the start to the finish. I'm currently, by the way, creating videos explaining from A to Z how I start from beginning to end. And why am I doing that? I'm doing that because I actually have a couple of interns that are helping me out student interns. They're really interested in podcasts. They love it and they want to help out. And they're just trying to figure out ways to do it. They love the mission, all of that stuff. Well, I created my little manual so that anyone can hop in and just help me produce this because it does take a lot of time. It is difficult. And people are willing to help you out. The other thing I could have gotten, we don't have to go down this route too much because I haven't used it, is a virtual assistant, which is another possibility. But long story short, I have a couple people that are willing to work on the system. So I have one guy who's basically helping out with the audio and he's helping out with editing and uh, making sure that everything sounds great. So he's doing the more the sound part of it. And I have another guy who's basically helping me with the copy. He's helping me with editing the show notes, producing the social media images and the files, and then putting it up on the website and everything. That lets me focus on getting great guests and it helps me record the episodes without having the headaches of all the other parts of it that honestly to me are very frustrating. So I created a system around that too, as we're getting to the point to save time. Why? Because my time is better spent recording podcast episodes and learning about great guests. It's not well spent doing tedious work when someone else can help also gain valuable experience from that. Um, They can grow their CV help out and also be part of the team. So really it's wins all around. And that's a system for the podcast. I mentioned this because in your life, you have a bunch of redundant, repetitive tasks that you probably do all the time. For example, expenses, right? Instead of physically pay your water bill or your electric bill or your phone bill or your cable bill, why isn't that automated if it's not already? All of your bills can be automated. You do not need to spend time thinking about it. If your budget or your finances are a little off here and there, you might need to maybe hold on automating everything and making sure that you have enough money in your checking account or whatever. But if you look at your daily routine and what you're doing on a daily basis, you probably have things you can actually use technology to help you with, or you can delegate it to someone. Also, if you're doing redundant tasks you're doing, but really are not necessary, just eliminate it. So you can either delegate it, automate it, or eliminate it. And uh, those are three things that you can do definitely to help increase your time and create systems around your day. That was beautiful. What a good clip that was. Such great advice. And (laughs) I look at this from a few different lenses. There's the one where we're essentially saying you want to do tasks that make you happy. And there's certain things that don't make you happy. And one of those tasks for me is editing audio because I don't enjoy doing that. I'm not very good at it. And I am much better Mm -hmm. spent instead of spending an hour editing this audio, 
I am much better spent creating another podcast and getting more knowledge and money tips for physicians out there to help them understand and empower them to take control over their finances as opposed to sitting there and doing audio. But there has to be a limit to what you essentially hire out. And I think that takes a fine, delicate balance. Physicians billing out at $200 an hour. It might make sense to hire a financial planner versus doing hundreds of hours of research, trying to learn everything you know to be an expert in my field. And for some people, they truly enjoy it. They like that DOIY approach. Awesome. Go do it. Hopefully the podcast is helping in that knowledge and and to increase it. But I love it. The systems and the pieces that you're talking about are awesome. We are going to be talking next week with Lynn Marie Morsky on quitting. So we're not going to go too much into this, but I know that you've got some cool stuff to say about learning to say no with confidence. And so I want you to give us a little heads up on that. Yeah. I love Dr. Lynn Marie, by the way, like super high energy woman. She's awesome. I'm looking forward to uh, seeing her on your podcast as well. So saying no, this is an incredibly important thing because I can speak about this obviously from the the med student side, the pre-med side and going to residency. We've always had to say yes. We've always had to take on research responsibilities. We've always had to say yes to this research paper that you have to do or this great case study that you have to do in residency. I feel like I get told that all the time. Taylor, you should write it up. Honestly, I think you should, your default actually should be no. At least it is for me now. I feel like my defaults normally no. And then when I'm really intrigued or I feel like it matches up with my values and what I want in life, then I'm more willing to say yes. So I guess the way I would start off answering this question is to define what you really want to start to achieve or move towards, at least when it comes to your occupation or career. If you know what's ultimately important for you, then you can make decisions based on those things. So something I've been working on personally is family is incredibly important for me and we don't have to get too into it, but I feel like my family life has been the most positive lately and I really want to allocate more time towards helping out my family. If there's other things that are getting into that family time or getting into the way of me cultivating that family time, okay, that's great that there's this case study or research study, but I'd really like that hour to call my mom. That's invaluable time to me. Your mom agrees. Right. It's like, that's time I can't get back. That's great. I'm going to get this case study. I'll get all this stuff, whatever. I'll put out this research. That's great. I'm going to go and have this poster, but I'm not going to get my time with my mom back. That's a value that I hold. So what are the values that are important to you? Do you want to spend more time with your kids? Do you want to spend more time with your family? Do you want to spend more time playing guitar? Do you want to spend more time getting a huge and getting buff and going to the gym? Do you want to get spend more time? I don't know, sitting at the beach and enjoying the sun. Do you want to spend more time with your friends? These are all incredibly important things. And every time you say yes to things that are maybe 50% you or 75% you, or just it doesn't align with what you want, you're really just taking away time from who you are and what you really desire. But on the flip side, if career is very important to you and you want to be the best in your field and you want to be the world's best anesthesiologist, like you lose yourself in research and you lose yourself in the process of being a physician or whatever specialty it is or whatever research you want to do. Perfect. It just needs to align with your value system. So say no to things all the time. Say no often, say it frequently and say yes to the things that align with your values. So I guess for this portion, I just say, figure out who you are, what you enjoy, what you want in life and really lay that out. So when you do say yes to things, it lines up with the values that you really cherish and want to see more of. 
this rings so true with me as a registered life planner and talking about just your goals and your ideal life and your opportunities and your challenges and all these cool things that I not only do personally, like with Taylor, my wife, not you, Taylor, but also with with clients, just understanding those pieces and how they interrelate together because I there's no guarantees in life, but I promise you this. All of this stuff has financial implications. It all does. It's all interconnected. And that's part of what we're trying to do here, not just this show, but just the show in general, Financial Residency, is to give you a different mindset around money and just a different way of approaching things and literally comes from the behavioral side. And I did a show with my tailor back in January of 18, I want to say. I think it was called Living Out Your Ideal Life. And we talked through some of these questions and gave some structure around how you can at least start that conversation. So I encourage everyone to go back and listen to that show. It was a show I tortured her, making her stay up really late to Mm -hmm. record it with me, but it was actually a really good show. Okay, Taylor, let's talk about financial investments that are time independent. This is actually something I wasn't too familiar with for a long time, and I've been learning a lot more about this. Compound interest. I think Einstein said that compound interest is the most powerful force in the world. I think that was a quote from him. If If it wasn't, it should be because it's totally true. And it works in both ways, right? When you invest in compounds up, it works in your favor. When you take out too much debt, it compounds for the bank. It ends up hurting you. Yeah, totally. With that being said, right? So simple things that you just always do, especially for me in residency. And I learned this, thankfully, I'm learning this now in my residency, actually automated this for us. The 401k, just a simple thing. Have your retirement account ready. And we do have a percentage of the proceeds are matched. So I think for our residency, they match up to 4% or something. I'm putting in 4% of my income into the 401k and it gets matched. It literally doubles your money. It's a safe account. It's going towards my retirement and that's going to compound over time. That's just a no brainer. Obviously, I'm sure you talk about the Roth IRA and obviously you get taxed initially and then you don't get taxed when you pull it out later. That's another retirement savings account. I'm considering putting that in. Again, that's just compound interest over time. Something that I think is not necessarily an investment you directly think about, but can pay off dividends or multiples later, for me, for example, is business building. So I think building a business, again, you can start off incredibly lean. It doesn't take much. For example, a podcast, although I don't necessarily think about podcasts as a revenue generating source directly right away, it's extremely low cost. You generate an audience and it's as long as your your passion, this is actually something I wanted to talk about in here. If you're passionate in something and you get lost in it, does it feel like you're really wasting time? And mm. the answer is no. You just love the process. So if you're passionate about something, I'm passionate about podcasting. I know you are, but I don't feel like the time is not well spent. It does take an hour. It does take two hours. It does take three hours. It does take a process to get through. I feel like the dividends on that, I feel like the compound interest in that act is huge later, not just by finances, but by personal health. So I think that's a time, I wouldn't say insensitive, I just say time. I think the time is well spent and pays off later. So I think you're getting multiples or multipliers off of the time you're spending. But the reason I mentioned that with in terms of businesses, let's say you are a very good writer and you spend hundreds of hours or even thousands of hours writing a book. Now, I know maybe a book isn't the best example, but let's say you write a book You spent a thousand hours writing this book and it took you a thousand hours, but you got to this book and this single book becomes $20. It's worth $20 at the end of it. When someone purchases it, your revenue, let's say is $20 per book. Well, that's a scalable product. Now let's say you're able to market it effectively. You're able to get out there. 
And now you have a thousand people buy that book. A thousand people bought this book, this product that now is not time sensitive anymore. You've already produced the book. They buy a thousand copies that now becomes $20,000 worth of money. And yes, you put in a thousand hours. So what is that? You get technically you made 20 bucks an hour, but let's say you keep marketing it. And now you sold a hundred thousand books or 10,000 books. Now this product is what we call obviously not obviously, but often in the business industry is evergreen. If you produce a book that stands the test of time, that just has true information, you can sell that book until the day you die and you've produced a product. And now, yes, you spent upfront time costs and you can make money wherever you go. You can talk about it, you can sell it to anyone and you can make money and provide value to people. So you spent some money, but ultimately it's time insensitive. Our product, MedFlash Go, is one of the products I'm also trying to promote right now. After we created our question bank, I can just sell it. It's fully scalable. We can make money off it, even though I'm spending very limited amount of time personally, directly in the business. So that's a cash stream and a revenue stream that's time insensitive. So those are some investments that I think about personally. Part of this you're referencing is like another way to talk about passive income. We've talked on the show, like there's real estate, there's some business ideas, there's some products like you're mentioning books and like shameless plug, like our books coming out in October. So everyone keep a lookout for that. Mm -hmm. But it's really summing it up though. You're talking about essentially automating investments in your savings, set it up, keep the funding going and essentially just moving on. So I like where you're going in the thought process around that time because all that essentially then frees it up to do other things, which is kind of leading into our last one is just projects that are time independent. I know you've kind of chatted on some of that, but is there anything else maybe we should add or could add to that? Let me just take a step back. So a lot of times people will be like, I don't have the time to do what you're talking about. I don't have the time to build a business. I don't have the time to allocate towards writing a book. Whoever you are, how much Netflix are you watching? Literally, how much Netflix are you watching? How much time are you spent like sitting in front of the TV and doing things that are just complete waste of time? How much time are you spending scrolling through social media? That's the one out to add. Like, I wonder if he's going to go there with social media because man, social media is a black hole. And we've talked on the show where social media is everything that's going really perfect in people's lives in the occasional, unfortunately, XYZ died. But really it's, hey, we had a baby. We got married. Hey, we took this amazing trip that you're sitting there going like, I want to go to the Caribbean. That looks like fun. But I think what you're getting at is where are you spending time that is not making you the happiest? Like where could you allocate your time to do something like writing a book that would ultimately bring you more happiness, right? Absolutely. And something to add on with social media, as you're listening to this, do you have a not to-do list? The not to-do list for me has been one of the most important things I've ever done. Because everyone thinks about the to-dos. We talked about no's, and I'm sure Dr. Limery is going to talk about this more later. But a not-to-do list is probably one of the most powerful things you can have. Because we often think about what to do. But if you realize what you're, where you're wasting time, oh, I'm scrolling through Instagram. I'm jealous. I'm having this negative energy. That's unnecessary. Stop scrolling. Do something that's useful with your time. You can veg out later. You can always have a veg out period. Just do it at the end of the day. Use your productive time for productivity. You were mentioning projects, correct? Projects that are time independent or less time sensitive. I really just think what I mean by that is kind of what we talked about before with the business and the passion. You got to do things that you're passionate about that also can help you increase your time in the long term. For example, if you're passionate about finances for you, you're writing this book, 
I'm sure even though you're writing it and obviously there's some external factors that are motivating, it's also intrinsically incredibly rewarding. And so you just get lost and you're in flow and you enjoy it. It's not necessarily completely time insensitive. It's that time becomes irrelevant because you just love it. It's not about time. We often talk about the specialty we're going to choose where you don't look at the clock. Well, it's the same thing with spending your time, spending your time on projects that you just love. When I sit down and I play guitar right now and I'm learning music, I love it. I just really do. I love learning new chords. I love singing. I'm enjoying that process. I'm not looking at the clock. I feel like I'm getting so much value out of it. So what are some projects that are going to be long-term beneficial that you enjoy, that you can get lost in, that are creative, and hopefully also build you some wealth? Obviously, this is a financial podcast. What are some things that can do all of those things, help you get lost and use that time wisely and uh, build your wealth and your happiness in the long term? And relating back to it, it's the emotional wealth and the emotional health on this side. Because if that's not out of whack and not in line, then it's going to be really hard to focus on the things that actually are bringing money in the door and making sure that you're not burning out and wanting to quit and take less pay or less call or whatever it may be. So I think a lot of this is very, very important just from an emotional health standpoint, but all of this truly interrelates. And I think as I start to bring in more of these type of shows and amazing guests like you, Taylor, I'm hoping that everyone's starting to have a mindset change around just viewing money differently and making sure that you're not only money, but time, you're just allocating these things in a way ultimately makes you happiest. So Taylor, before we sign off here, I love your show the Happy Doc Podcast. You know, I think it'd be great if people who haven't heard you, one, you can listen to them literally in the player that you're listening to us right now on. So go check him out. But tell everyone what they maybe would expect to hear from you and then maybe some of the other stuff you're working on. One thing first, before we get to talk about my channels and things to look for, as we're talking about this, I often feel just like with Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and all those things, you're going to hear these guests and we're talking and we're talking about how we allocate our time I am not perfect. No one that's going to be on the podcast or any of the guests are perfect. We all are works in progress. I mess up all the time. But the big thing that changed in my mind and something that shifted for me is I don't beat myself up anymore when I'm not perfect. That's the key. You waste a lot of emotional energy doing that. So I hope as you're listening to this, just realize we're not perfect. It's a process. We're all in a process. It's never going to be perfect. Thank you for for saying that. Absolutely. I mean, we're all humans. I am not perfect by any means. If you don't believe me, just ask Taylor, my wife. She will tell you all about (laughs) it. And you can ping her in the group if you really want to know. But thank you for saying that. I think that's really important. I just felt really compelled to because I feel like often we're comparing and I just would hate for you guys to think that there's anything to compare yourself to. You are great where you're at and you're going to keep improving. In terms of the podcast itself, the podcast is called The Happy Doc. And the website is thehappydoc.com. I just really want to get inspiring, fulfilled doctors and guests. I get people from different places now. I didn't want to confine myself to just physicians. I just put out an episode recently about marketing, how to market effectively, like how to build your website, how to use Facebook advertisements, how to optimize your webpage. That has nothing to do directly with being a physician, but I think that's valuable information. So I want people to create and have the tools to build their happy lives as doctors and as humans. And so that's kind of what you're going to find. So thehappydoc.com and the podcast called The Happy Doc, our social media channels are at 
Happy Doc Podcast. And we're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can look up all that stuff. The product that we've built recently that I'm super excited about, because again, it's all about saving time, is for currently it's for medical students. And the product is called MedFlash Go, short for medical flashcards on the go. And it's exclusively currently for Amazon Alexa. And what's crazy about it is once you subscribe, you literally do questions with just your voice and you can do it anywhere and it's fully interactive. So you can be on your commute, you can drive from your house, you can do flashcards, build in important associations, know side effects, know the reactions, know the pharmacology around a a medication, know the association of, for example, what this pathology report might mean or what this specific uh, pathology report and what diagnosis this might be. What's the most common cause of strokes that you might see in the emergency department? What is the most likely diagnosis? Things like that, like the questions, the associations, you can learn all that stuff just with your voice on the go. And I'm incredibly passionate about it again, because it just saves you time. I think it's an awesome product. It's $10 a month. It's just going to keep getting better. We just, last week, we just added 200 more questions and we're going to keep increasing the database and the question set. So the website for that is medflashgo.com. That's super cool. And I don't know if it's going to make it into editing or not, but like when you said the word Alexa, like your Alexa turned on, which just cracks me up. But Taylor, thank (laughs) you so much for being on the show. It is a pleasure to have you here and I had a great time. Thank you so much. In our journal club, we're going to be discussing an article that was posted by B.C. Kurgoski titled, For the Sake of Your Finances, You Should Read Stretch. Okay, this is a book review that was done by B.C. And this book, Stretch, was awesome. And I really liked their take on it. So it applies really to both finance and quality of life. In it, she talks about several powerful thoughts She's pulling together six of the points in the book, and I don't talk about all six points here, but there's some really good stuff that I do want to highlight. She started off by talking about making real friends with your quote-unquote so-called competition and how that provides an opportunity to build connections and community. And these are, and I quote, productive, meaningful relationships that provide an economic boost to your business through collaboration, knowledge sharing, and stopping cutthroat competition. And maybe why I liked some of the stuff that she was talking about is because she actually used FinCon as an example for creating a collaborative environment. If you don't know what FinCon is, I've recorded on the floor of FinCon. It's a big financial blogger and podcaster, now YouTuber and Instagram. It's got all of them, but it's basically a financial conference. It's an excellent conference. I've met many lifelong friends there. And it's where all of your favorite bloggers and podcasters go to learn more about how to reach you, the audience, online. And I've had the pleasure of speaking there last year, and I'll be doing the new orientation for new FinConners this year with my buddy, Nick True, who's been on the show quite a few times. Anyway, back to our journal club. So for the point, I've heard it time and time again that competition in residency is a challenge that often making that experience of going through residency even harder to get through. And that competitiveness usually trails after graduation. And what used to seem like a harmless competition really isn't because honestly, it's the root of the cause of that keeping up with the Joneses and what the other physicians are doing. She then leads into 
how mindless work actually helps her recharge her mental batteries. It seems to have worked for her by changing the behaviors that would cause her more time and more energy to work through later. And she does this by giving her brain, honestly, a break. Sometimes it's a physical one, like taking a brief walk to help her avoiding burnout. I know for us, sometimes it's stopping and playing a game or doing something silly with the kids. But what I really like that she discusses is that she also ties in being frugal into this. And that's where the finance piece comes in. I'm sure you can imagine why, because she says being frugal ain't so bad and that fortunes are generated by frugality. Frugal people emphasize the long-term game plan over the short-term pleasures. Thus, they are patient, or else they have to learn to be patient. Frugal people refuse what they have instead of buying more. Frugal people reuse what they have instead of buying more, but they also take pleasure in spending wisely. Speaking of Nick True, when I just had Nick on last, we talked about not only why patience is important, but how to actually harness that and actually increase your patience with some really actual tips. So go back and check out that show because that was a great one talking about patience. And in my experience, I see and talk about life planning and preventing that lifestyle inflation a lot. I know I talk about it a lot on the show and I talk about it a lot with clients. And the best approach to being successful at either one of these is by practicing patience. I agree, BC and Scott, who wrote the book, it's worth it. It's better to spend with intention and running towards a goal than falling into the pressures of society to spend all that you're worth. Just not a smart move. So I know I only covered a few of the six points in our journal club, but BC does a great job. And I definitely think you guys should all check out the article. I'll make sure to link it at financialresidency.com. So let's jump into our recap. So many thanks, Taylor, for being on the show. You're awesome. I really hope that all of you enjoyed the show along with our journal club. So here are the three key takeaways I'd like for you to walk away with. First takeaway is according to Taylor, work-life integration begins with reframing the way you think about your time. However, that begins with an evaluation of where your time is actually going. And he explains it this way. Are you allocating your time in relationships or people that you don't want to be spending it in? On the flip side, if you're able to free up your time, if you're able to free up your energy, you can then think critically about where you actually want to spend your time. Takeaway number two, balance isn't necessarily where you should be spending your energy. It's maybe an illusion. So learning the tools available to you to create a sense of work-life integration will help you shift your energy into a more proactive solution. And here's what Taylor had to say about some of those apps. If you learn the tools that we can use to kind of speed up the processes around us, we can start to integrate our business life, our podcasting life, our work or occupation life into our day in incremental steps. So you're integrating throughout the day. You're able to do actually a lot more stuff in a day and you're incredibly productive. Last but not least, takeaway number three, creating systems for the repetitive tasks in your life, especially when it comes to your money, is a really smart move. For those redundant tasks that you really shouldn't be working on, just eliminate them altogether. And I think Taylor says it a really good way. 
all of your bills can be automated. You do not need to spend time thinking about it. If your budget or your finances are a little off here and there, you might need to maybe hold on automating everything and making sure that you have enough money in your checking account or whatever. But if you look at your daily routine and what you're doing on a daily basis, you probably have things you can actually use technology to help you with, or you can delegate it to someone. Also, if you're doing redundant tasks you're doing, but really are not necessary, just eliminate it. So you can either delegate it, automate it, or eliminate it. And uh, those are three things that you can do definitely to help increase your time and create systems around your day. For our quick community update, I think all of you are familiar that I've wanted you to join our community on Facebook. There's about 5,000 of us in our group now, and you can join us by going to financialresidency.com community. But what you probably didn't know is that we've been running really two Facebook groups. One had started before called Physician Finance, and the other one has been really started and dedicated around the podcast itself. But running two groups is quite challenging, and they both really talk about similar stuff. One's just a little more slanted towards the podcast. So what we're going to be doing, and if you haven't noticed by now, log into Facebook and check out our group, but we're going to be merging the two groups together. And that will allow the community to even come closer together, but also allow us to give you better insights and more knowledge and more engagement and more fun things to do now that we don't have to create double the content in the two groups. So by now, you probably noticed we're making some changes as far as the direction of where the community is going. I'll make sure I keep sharing that direction as we get updates in the next coming weeks. But thank you so much for being here. This is an amazing journey. It's amazing time. I'm so happy to be the messenger of this. And if you, again, haven't joined us in the Facebook group, please, please, please do so by going to financialresidency.com slash community. This podcast is like a marriage. You get out of it what you put in. So if you show up and put in the time to learn about these financial topics that are honestly most affecting you, you're more likely to grow in your financial acumen. But here's the thing, what you're gonna hear in the show is honestly to be taken somewhat generically. It's a blanket adaptation of different financial topics affecting physician families. And I don't guarantee anything and I can't guarantee any specific advice on the show because I don't know who you are or what financial challenges you're facing today. So I'd recommend consulting an attorney, a CPA, or reach out to us, fee-only financial planners at Physician Wealth Services to help you with your questions. Next week, I have a really fun guest coming on the show. She's a part of our community. She has an amazing community and podcast of her own. I have Lynn Marie Mortsky on the show, and we're going to be talking about quitting, but it's going to be really fun. And she is a hilarious person. She's a JD, an MD, super smart, and really, really fun and outgoing. So you're going to love next week's show with Lynn Marie. Definitely going to be one that you won't want to miss. Have a great week. See you guys on Friday. Take care.